0: This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Well, good morning. If you could keep that uh, reading open in front of you, we're going to pray and ask for God's help. Uh, If this is your first time with us, we have been going through a series on the book of Exodus and... uh, Uh, This is our next instalment. Last week we looked at the first Passover and now this week we look at how Israel were to remember that. So let's pray and ask for God's help. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it forth in our lives. For the glory of your great name. Amen. Well, today I want to share with you something that is basic for your spiritual survival. It's this, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. A church that has forgotten Jesus Christ is no church at all. A church that remembers him, on the other hand, is a living and dynamic spiritual force. So how do we make sure that we remember Well, I brought in one of our wedding photos, which is not how we're going to remember Jesus Christ necessarily, but it's an example of how we remember things. I know you can't really see this, but there are two very attractive people in this photo and our bridesmaids and groomsmen. And uh, we keep this on the mantelpiece. And keeping this photograph is not just a memory of a party we went to once, which was pretty nice because we knew everyone, but a reminder of who we are today and of the promises that we made way back in 1993. I wear a wedding ring for the same reason, and every year we celebrate our anniversary as well. This memory makes us who we are today. It's not just nostalgia for the past. It's a present reality, and it's a memory that takes us forward into the future as well. In our memories, we hold who we are. We remember the stories that make us who we are. And for 3,000 years or more, the Israelites have preserved the memory of the Exodus by celebrating the festival of Passover. And this was not just for them nostalgia for the old days. This wasn't just looking back fondly to when things were really good. This was the basis for their existence. This was their constitution. This was their foundation as a people. And so, when you see your Jewish neighbours go to celebrate the Passover, know this. For them, it is a dynamic living memory that teaches them how to live and gives them a hope for the future. Last week, we heard about the first Passover meal the people were to eat the bread without yeast. I've got some right here. Um, this is the stuff you can buy in any eastern suburb supermarket. Um, this is called matzo bread. <coughs> rats have got to that one. Um, I left it in the vestry for a while. And it's bread without leaven. It's not risen, right? It's flat bread because it hasn't risen. Why? Because it was bread to be made in a hurry. It was to remind them that they were in a hurry to get away and couldn't wait for it to rise. They also ate bitter herbs to symbolise the bitter experience of slavery in Egypt. And then they were to slaughter a lamb, a perfect lamb. The lamb that would be, you remember, a substitute for them and whose blood would protect them, would be a symbol of protection from the 10th plague. But part of the salvation package was that they were to celebrate this meal every year because they were not to forget it. In the passage we just had read for us, Moses starts out by saying, When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, you shall keep this observance in this month, the month of Abib. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a festival to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leaven shall be seen in your possession, and no leaven shall be seen amongst you in all your territory. The festival of unleavened bread, culminating in the Passover, will last for a week. And in that festival, they'll be doing something significant and unusual. It'll be out of the rhythm of ordinary life. Something that will make them pause and think, why? Why are we doing this? And then remember, oh, that's right, the Exodus story, when we were in a hurry to leave, when we had the lamb cover us as our substitute, When we remember the bitter experience of slavery and the Lord told us to do these things and then they're to pass it on to the next generation. That's in verse 8. You shall tell your child on that day it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Now eating different kind of bread is a really great way to retell the story of how they came to be who they are. What are they to say after all? We're eating this weird bread, and there's a story behind it. It reminds us of how the Lord brought us out of Egypt so that we never forget it. And even though you, my child, wasn't there, you weren't there, you were there because our people were, recognized, were rescued back then. So this old story that I'm telling you is not just nostalgia. It's your story too. And by remembering it, you become part, part of it. And you don't just look at this picture, you eat it. This memory literally becomes part of you because you consume the symbols. And what kind of story was it that they had to remember? Well, some nations, what do they do? They remember military triumphs, don't they? They remember how brave they were, how great they were, how strong they were, how resilient they were. They tell each other self-congratulatory stories. Oh, it's great to be one of us because we're so good. But the Passover is not that story. The central fact of the Passover is what? What the Lord did for us. What Yahweh, the one who called himself by that name, I am who I am, what he did for us. And they are to imprint on their memories this that with a strong hand, not they broke free of the shackles of Egypt, but in fact the Lord brought them out of Egypt. Just imagine sitting around the table eating that meal. What feeling do you think it was meant to evoke? What was their response supposed to be? Well, not pride, not arrogance, not self-congratulation. The answer is this. It's a feeling of humble gratitude. The Lord had saved them. He had made them who they they are. He had given them their constitution. Who were they, after all? They were the people of Israel, who were the people of Yahweh. I am who I am, the Lord, named by him and rescued by him. And when they remembered that, how could they not be overwhelmed with gratitude? How could they not? Humbly to submit to him. How could they arrogantly defy him? And this annual meal was going to imprint the memory of the Passover deep into those who eat it. In verse 9, It shall serve for you as a sign on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead so that the teachings of the Lord may be upon your lips. It's to go into you, be on you like a tattoo almost be a sign on you, and then because it's gone into you in that way and become part of you, it's to come out of you. You have to talk about it so that it is a memory that is passed on. This memory is to become literally a physical part of them, a physical reality. Have you got things that you remember that are part of you like that? Sometimes it's a song that you can remember from childhood. You can remember all the words without even thinking about it. It might be that you can remember the, feel, the smell of a favourite meal that you were cooked at a particularly significant occasion, or perhaps it's the pipe smoke of your long-dead grandfather. Now, I've seen recently some clips of a new phenomena called pub choir. Basically, you go to a pub, that's why it's called pub choir, and they get people to sing together old Aussie songs from the 70s and 80s, like Throw Your Arms Around Me and "Kaysan." And uh, these are the songs that are close to a generation's heart. They might not be, to you might not know those songs, but for, for the people attending pub choir in their thousands, these are the songs that are in their souls. And when you see them sing, they aren't hesitant about it as Australians normally are. We're terrible singers. We're, 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 we're nothing like the, the Welsh, for instance, at singing. But when you see pub choir, you see Aussies get together and they just, their heads go back and they just let go. They sing from the heart. You can see the joy on their faces because these songs, these words are already in them. And those memories, memories like that are incredibly precious to us, aren't they? They get into us. So it's worth having things in you that give you hope and help you survive. A number of times I've had the privilege of giving communion to the dying On more than one occasion, as I've started the prayers of the old prayer book, the dying person, who might otherwise be completely out of it, has joined in. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs from under thy table, But thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. These words belong in their soul. It's worth asking yourself what are the memories of my heart? Are they things that shape me well? Are they going to sustain my heart and soul through difficult days? Are they worth handing on to my children? And my grandchildren. And are they going to be on my lips as I face my own death? Christians are given something vital and precious to remember. And it's patterned on that great Passover event in the Exodus. We heard last week that Paul in the New Testament, he says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Our life is never to forget what the Lord God has done for us in our Passover lamb, our substitute who protects us, Jesus Christ. We are never to forget that who we are now is a gift for us, from God, made possible by his death for us. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross makes us who we are. By our, by our sins and rebellion, we were no one. And yet in him we are now a people, a people of God. We have ourselves as a who. It's our identity. We live because he died. We are free because he submitted to the nails. We are justified because he bore the punishment for our sins. This is the reality if we're in Christ of who we are. And so it's a memory that needs to be in our souls. So how are we going to get it in there? There's so many reasons for us to forget. We live in a forgetful, amnesiac culture. Today we are surrounded, we have surrounded ourselves by memory machines so that we've lost the ability to remember things well because we've outsourced memory. We've become less interested in history and fascinated instead with the present and the future. We think arrogantly that the past has nothing to teach us. Oh, there's that great... uh, Ending of conversation comment, it's 2019, get with the times, get with the program. We've got advertisers trying to fill our memories, not with the great hymns of God's grace or other majestic truths, but with jingles selling products. Why is it that I can remember, good on your mum, yeah, there you go, and the old phone number for Pizza Hut? They remembered it at 8 o'clock, 481 111 And I can also remember the recipe for the Big Mac, which is two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, special onion on a sesame seed bun. But I struggle with the Apostles' Creed. A church that has forgotten Jesus Christ will die. A Christian who has forgotten Jesus Christ is like a man who heads out into the desert with no water. A church that has forgotten Jesus Christ has forgotten what it's for. And if it does that, it will just become a social club for awkward people. Or it will become merely a museum before being to the churches in Europe that are like that. Nobody goes to an actual service, but the tourists turn up. If we forget Jesus Christ, we will become not a living memory, but a nostalgic curiosity, lest we forget. So much of what we do when we gather together as Christians is about remembering. We have a building that is shaped for us like an aide de mémoire. We sing Because music gets into our souls and because we sing words that are profound, words that are worth remembering, words that are worth dying to. We say familiar words again and again and again. We say the same words, not because we can't think of any others or we're stuck for creativity, but because they're precious words, words we want to stay with us so that they can stay in our lips and in our hearts as we walk through the, shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. We repeat the story to one another, the same old story. We read the same book again and again and again. And we pass this treasure on to our children. It's great that we're thinking about this at the, on the day of Denver's baptism, of course. And I might want to say to you, if you're a parent or a grandparent here today, or an uncle or an auntie or a godparent or even if you're just a friend of people with children, one of your great callings is to make sure that the memory of Jesus Christ becomes part of the next generation. How are we doing with that? I mean, if if we take an honest look at how the Christian faith is going in Australia at the moment, you'd have to say as a church we're really failing. The stats all show that younger people are less and less inclined to say they are Christian. We're failing a whole generation. Let that never be said of St Mark's at least. We will preserve this building best, not by polishing the stones or replacing the roof or keeping it tidy, but by making sure that there are Christians to worship in it in a century. So we should be throwing resources at kids and youth ministry as a priority and praying and engaging the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let the empty churches being sold off for yoga centres and for, and for housing conversions in our area be a salutary reminder of us to us of what happens when a church forgets Jesus Christ. But Jesus himself gave us a particular way to remember him he gave us a symbolic meal to remember his sacrifice by now it's a weird dinner a strange table to come to it's tangible and it's confronting all at once we take as you'll be invited to take later on the bread and the wine as reminders of his body given for us reminders of this our passover lamb And we eat them, not because they're pieces of magic, but because taking them into our bodies shows us that we live because he dies, shows us that he sustains us, shows us that he is our survival plan. Today, as you come up these steps to Jesus' table, I invite you to say to yourself, I remember Jesus Christ. And as you eat and drink, remember to say, thank you. There's only one way to eat this meal, to eat the Lord's Supper. You can't eat it with any arrogance or pride. You have to come to the table in humility and thankfulness, remembering the price that Jesus paid to rescue for you from your sin. And when you do that, you remember not just who he is and what he's done for you, but who you are. You remember that you've been given yourself back. You remember that you're a forgiven sinner belonging to a group of forgiven sinners called by Jesus Christ to follow him. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Timothy Timothy 3 verse 8, he says this, Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. If we forget him, we will lose ourselves. If we remember him,